Lord Jesus, as we listen to the sounds of the season, we ask that you would please teach us from Scripture so that we can know the real you and follow you. We pray this in your name. Amen. A couple of years ago, I did a wedding for one of my former students, and it was the most over-planned wedding I've ever been to. And people read special poems that they'd written just for the occasion. All the colors had special, uh, all the flowers had special colors that signified something very important and symbolic. The strangest part, though, was that the night before the wedding, the groom came over to my house to read over the talk that I was going to give at his wedding the next day. And as he read over it, he made all these disapproving sounds, you know, like, mmm, and ooh, and... And at one point, he picked up a red pin off my desk and began to make corrections on my talk. And what really bugged me was he was using the same red pin that I used to use when I was an English teacher. Grade people's paper. And I said, this is the night before your wedding. Shouldn't you be at a bachelor party or something? Anything other than being at the pastor's house reading his sermon. Right? That's just unhealthy, my son. Give me my pin back. The wedding itself turned out fine, except that they had so many things planned that there wasn't enough time to do the dancing at the reception, which for my wife was a huge disappointment, but for me felt like divine intervention. <laughs> I think that could be a metaphor for our lives. They are so overplanned that we don't get to the dancing part of life. We don't get to the real joy, the real depth in life because we're just so busy with our plans and we don't want those plans interrupted. And I think that can feel especially true during the holidays because we've just got so much planned. Now technically this is not the first Sunday in Advent, that's next week, but we all know that the official Christmas shopping season begins the first day after Halloween, <laughs> right? You know, you know, put away the jack-o'-lanterns, put out the decorations, right? So we're in the middle of it. And for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus. I believe that one of the bravest people in the Bible was a 13-year-old girl named Mary. God comes to her with this incredible request. Will you be the mother of the Savior of the world? Okay, this is a big ask. This isn't, can you do me a favor, Mary? Right? This is a big ask. And she says... Yes, even though that comes as a huge interruption to her plans. She's engaged to get married to Joseph. That means she's about 13 years old. That was the time when girls got engaged in that culture. And, and she's got a lot of plans, right? She's got a wedding to plan after all, right? Got to get the pastor and read over his sermon and all kinds of stuff, right? <laughs> but God interrupts those plans and says, I got a better idea, Mary. How about if before you get married, you get pregnant? Only Joseph, your fiancé, he won't be the father. I will. What do you think, Mary? Great idea or what? Talk about messing up your plans, right? When Joseph finds out, he'll probably cancel the wedding or worse. Because in that culture, the penalty for being unmarried and pregnant was death by stoning. But Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your will. What a brave sentence. How many of us, when God asks us to do something, obey his commands, serve in his name, tell other people about him, how many of us can say to God, if you say so, Lord, 
I will. Even if it interrupts my plans. Because I don't know about you, but I don't like to have my plans interrupted. For I know the plans I have for me. (laughs) Plans to make me happy, very happy. And I do not want those plans interrupted. The problem, though, is that life is filled with interruptions, isn't it? Some of them wanted, most of them not. We get a health crisis, or we get laid off, or we don't get married when we want to, or we don't get the promotion that we went after. Now, God doesn't cause those kinds of interruptions, but they're still interruptions. But then there are the kind of interruptions that do come from God. God asks us that we obey His commands. Observe the Sabbath, save sex for inside marriage, avoid gossip, right? And that interrupts our plans to do exactly what we want when we want to do it. God says that we should go be reconciled with people that we're mad at. That interrupts our plans to stay mad and nurse a grudge and feel self-righteous and bitter and die of a heart attack because of the stress of it all, right? It's a bad plan, but it's ours. And we don't want to let go of it. God invites us to participate with Him in redeeming the world by serving in some way. Maybe tutoring at Kid Reach or volunteering at the Jubilee Reach Center or just caring for a neighbor. And that interrupts our plans. But Mary seems to understand a couple of things about interruptions that we don't. And that allows her to say yes to God. And the first thing she understands is that God brings life in the interruptions. John Lennon said that life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. And for Mary, this is a huge interruption. But there's life in that interruption. She gets to be the mother of Jesus. That's life. I have a friend who went on a six-week mission trip to Nigeria And on his way back, he had only one day vacation in Vienna before he had to get back and go to work. He was by himself, and he ended up getting very, very sick. But he only had one day in Vienna, so he tried to go sightsee, but he, he couldn't do it, and he ended up having to go back to the hostel where he was staying. He was really angry. You know, this was not his plan. His one day in Vienna was wrecked. Well, that afternoon, a Japanese man came into the hostel where he was staying and was put in my friend's room. And they started talking, and the Japanese man asked why he was there, and my friend said he'd been on a mission trip to Africa. Well, that started all kinds of conversation about God and the Bible and church, and halfway through, my friend pulled out his Bible and started talking about how Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins, and because of that, God forgives us of our sins. And the Japanese man asked, well, do I have to go to a church to get this forgiveness? And my friend said, no, you can do that right here, right now. You just have to ask. And the man decided that he actually wanted to wait to go back to Japan to find someone who spoke Japanese so he could understand it better. But before he left, he wanted to take a picture of my friend with the Bible so that he could put it on his desk in Japan so that whenever he looked at it, he'd be reminded of who Jesus is. My friend thought that was a great way to spend a day in Vienna. You know, he said, if I hadn't gotten sick, that conversation never would have happened. I'd have seen some old buildings, gone to a museum, big deal. But it wouldn't have been nearly as fun, nearly as exciting as watching God use me in someone else's life. It was an interruption, but God brought life out of it. The second thing that Mary understands about interruptions that allow her to say yes to God is that God is our discomforter as well as our comforter. God is definitely moving Mary outside of her comfort zone, don't you think? Just a little bit. But she knows that that is a very good thing. 
You know, we often think of Jesus as our comforter in times of trial, and he does do that. But Jesus not only comforts the afflicted, he also afflicts the comfortable for our own good. Because we need to get out of our comfort zones from time to time. Otherwise, we get stuck in life and we don't grow. When I was growing up, my dad had a phrase that he'd always use whenever I had to do something that I didn't want to do but that was supposedly going to make me a better person. And he'd always say, Scott, when you're green, you're growing. When you're ripe, you're rotting. And he'd always say in this kind of ethereal, zen-like voice to make it sound more philosophical than it actually was. It was sort of actually an agricultural metaphor. But there's a point in it. If you're not growing, if you're not being challenged to step outside your comfort zone, you're rotting. You're probably bored. Probably looking for some kind of artificial thrill like alcohol or pornography or workaholism or just buying one more thing for the thrill of the purchase. And God will often take us out of our comfort zone in order for us to begin to grow and to have life again. One of my favorite moments when we were in Rwanda a couple of years ago was when we were in a prison conducting a worship service. And as I've told you before, in Rwanda, whenever there's worship, there's also dancing. And so we were in the middle of this prison yard dancing with several thousand prisoners, all of them murderers, all of them pushing up against us. There weren't very many guards around. And at one point, I looked over at one of the men on the trip, sort of this big, huge hulk of a man, and, and he's out there dancing with all these prisoners. And I said, you know, how are you doing? And in the middle of dance, he goes, I'm out of my comfort zone. (laughs) No kidding. But in a really cool kind of a way. One thing was for sure, we were not bored. When you're green, you're growing. When you're ripe, you're rotting. If you want a spiritual rush in life, pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, take me out of my comfort zone so I can experience you in a new way. Just pray that prayer. I dare you. I double-dog dare you. Because God will answer it and will give you an adventure that will light up your life. God is our discomforter as well as our comforter. And that's a good thing. The third thing that Mary understands about interruptions is that with God, all things are possible. God's request to Mary seems impossible. And she points that out, you know. Lord, don't mean to nitpick the details here, but how am I going to have this kid since I'm a virgin? Right? Don't mean to be fussy, but that seems like a problem. And the angel says, with God, all things are possible. Often, the interruptions in our lives seem impossible to handle. The health crisis, the financial problem, the relationship problem seems impossible. Or the things that God asks us to do seem impossible seems impossible to serve in his name, impossible to obey his commands. We often think, I don't have the time, I don't have the talent, I don't have the resources, I don't have the discipline. But with God, all things are possible. A while back, I was feeling a little worried about some challenges that we're facing here at work. We're still missing a few key staff people, and we're looking for them, but they're not here yet, and that interrupts my plans to be comfortable all the time. And so a few weeks ago, I was sharing deeply from my soul about this, a.k.a. whining, to a friend of mine. And you know what he did? He mocked me. He mocked a pastor. I don't know where it is in the Bible, but I'm sure that that is a sin. I'm just sure of it. 
Right? He said, yeah, you know, yeah, God created the universe out of nothing. He parted the Red Sea. He raised Jesus from the dead. But Scott, your problems, man, he can't handle those. They're too big for him, right? God is up there wringing his hands right now saying, man, I've held the universe together for all of eternity. But Dudley's problems, man, got me stumped. I indicated to my friend that he did not have a future in pastoral care. But that he did have a very good point. Do we trust? Do we trust that the God who is big enough to make the universe out of nothing is big enough to handle the interruptions in our life? God brings life in the interruptions. God is our discomforter for our own good. With God, nothing is impossible. And the last thing that Mary understands is that God's plan is sometimes harder, but usually better. When the angel greets Mary, he says a very, what I think, ironic thing. He says, hail, O privileged one. Privileged one. And what is this great privilege that Mary gets for Christmas? She gets to be pregnant and unmarried, the penalty for which was death. She gets to give birth in an alley around dirty animals with animal stuff everywhere. Then she has to flee to Egypt as a refugee so the insane king won't kill her son. And then she has to be the mother of Jesus, which I think would be pretty hard, not because he was bad, but because he was perfect. Can you imagine how irritating a perfect child would be? Uh, You can't send the Son of God to his room. He sends you to yours, right? Totally frustrating. And on top of all of that, she has to watch her special gift from God die on a cross. And this makes her the privileged one? And yet, and yet that first Christmas night, she gets to hold the God who made her in her arms and ponder the mystery that the child that she just delivered will soon deliver her from her sins. She gets to see her son turn water into wine. She gets to see him raised from the dead on Easter morning. God's promise to her is that she will be called blessed for generations. And that's what's happened. For 2,000 years, she has been revered as one of the greatest heroes of Christian faith. Sometimes a little too revered, but nevertheless a genuine, authentic hero. Hail, O privileged one, indeed. God's interruptions to our plans are sometimes harder, but always better. Many of you remember Gary Haugen. He is the founder of International Justice Mission. That's an organization that goes into the developing world and rescues people from situations of injustice like forced labor or false imprisonment or children forced into prostitution. He preached here a couple years ago. Well, Gary tells a story about his very, very first case. He was a young lawyer in Washington, D.C., and through prayer and scripture and some other experiences, felt like God was asking him to do something about injustice in the developing world. So he formed IJM. And at the time, there was only one employee, him. And so he asked all the missionaries he knew to let him know about any injustice they discovered on their watch. And all he wanted to do at that point was to prove to himself and a few potential financial backers that it was possible to make a difference in this area. Well, the very first case he got was of a man who'd been falsely imprisoned in Africa on trumped-up political charges, and he was scheduled to be executed. And so Gary sent a few letters to investigate, and then he started on his way to Africa. Well, he had a layover in the Philippines, and while he was there, he called his wife. 
His wife was eight months pregnant at the time, and they already had two little kids. And she said, I can't do this, Gary. I'm eight months pregnant. I'm exhausted. The kids are driving me crazy. I don't know what's going to happen to you. This seems dangerous. I can't do this. And Gary didn't know what to do, because on the one hand, if he didn't go to Africa, the guy might get killed. But on the other hand, his family needed him. So he prayed about it in the airport, and he decided that his first priority was his family. So he got a ticket, and he flew back home. Well, when he got home, he got a telephone call from a missionary in Africa, and the missionary said, way to go, Gary, I don't know what you did, but the guy's been let out of prison. Good job, Gary. And Gary's like, thanks, because he had no idea how that happened. Turned out the authorities in Africa got word that an American lawyer was snooping around, and they got nervous, so they let the guy out. Gary didn't even have to go to Africa. God sprung the guy anyway. It's as if God was saying, you're wondering if I can do this? Well, I can do this with one hand tied behind my back, and I don't need you. And since then, Gary's gone on all kinds of trips and rescued hundreds, if not thousands of people, out of injustice. Now, there are a lot of interruptions in that story. To start with, there's Gary's career as a lawyer, not to mention his plans to have a nice, comfortable life. And they got interrupted by God, who said, Gary, I want you to do something about injustice. And then when he's on his first case trying to prove to some financial backers that this was possible, the needs of his family interrupt his plans. And yet God brought life out of those interruptions and they pushed Gary out of his comfort zone in some really great ways. And those interruptions were difficult but not too difficult for God and God used them for good. And that's what we see in the story with Mary. You know, from this point on, Mary's life gets pretty hard. And yet way more fulfilling. You know, Mary was planning a nice, peaceful life. Get married to Joseph, have a couple kids, maybe move out to the burbs, right? But God said, Mary, I've got so much more for you than that. I don't want you to just have a kid. I want you to have a king. I don't want you to just raise a son. I want you to raise a savior. I don't want you to just have a family. I want you to have a faith that's worth dying for. But more importantly, a faith that's worth living for. God interrupted her plans, but in a glorious kind of a way. So let me ask you, if tonight God came to you just like he came to Mary and he said, I want to be born through you. I want to use your body to bring the Savior into the world. What would you say? Because here's the deal. God is asking that of each one of us. He asks each one of us, will you be my hands? Will you be my feet? Will you be my voice? Will you show who I am? To a hurting world. And it doesn't have to be some huge, grandiose thing like going to Africa to fight for justice. It can simply be sharing who God is with a neighbor or co-worker. And he doesn't force us to do it. He didn't force Mary. He simply invites us into it. So what are the interruptions in your life? And whether they're just the normal part of life or the ones that come from God, this week, can you pray, Lord, show me how you want to use these interruptions? to bring life, to get me out of my comfort zone. Pray that prayer, knowing in your heart that with God all things are possible and that even if it's harder, with God it is always better. And then how can you begin to live a life that is interruptible so that you can follow God in those interruptions into a deeper, more fulfilling life than you ever could have planned on your own? He promises us that and he always keeps his promise. Jesus, there are so many interruptions in our life. Some come from you and many don't. But in all of them, we know that you want to bring life and use them for good. So, Lord, help us to follow you 
in the interruptions. When we are interrupted, help us to ask you, Lord Jesus, what do you want to do with this? And then follow it. Help us to do that, Lord, and we'll be grateful people. We pray this in your name. Amen.